tease But your buddy's worse off and he throws you his car keys Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning State Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born Better call Saul, better call Saul You wanna tell the world you're in love with a Ladies and gentlemen, this is It's all good, man, the better Better Call Saul podcast. I'm Brian. With me, as always, is my co-host, Dave. Dave, how's it going, buddy? Hey, Doug, can you get me something to drink? Come on, Doug. Be a guy. Tyrantula, Doug. <laughs> Tyrantula. Um, so, uh, short and sweet, this episode, uh, I hope everybody's enjoying your off-season. Uh, this episode, uh, we're, we're pretty excited about, Dave. Mm. First, we had uh, Julianne Emery, mm-hmm. Ray Seahorn. Oh, yeah. And now we have the one and only Patrick... Fabian on It's All Good Man. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of words to describe how awesome he was, honestly. Like, dude, he, he was such a cool I, dude. Like, I thought he was going to be a kind of a dick. Really? <laughs> I really did because he plays the character so well. And I, like, I'm looking through his IMDb and he's he's got all these like one episode credits. Mm-hmm. And that's always the asshole, right? right? <laughs> you know? And uh, he just—he's got that look, that that slick lawyer look to him, mm-hmm. even in like his headshot and shit. So it's like, yeah, I thought this guy's gonna kind of be a dick, but awesome, totally cool yeah. dude, right? Uh, we we chatted him for uh, chatted with him for a while. We uh, we we talked all sorts of fun things, like uh, we we strive for uh, questions, but he didn't really have the answers because they're still writing the second season. So he's yeah, he's just as curious about some of the things we asked him as we are. But you know what? The dude was actually more insightful than us. Like well, he, big stretch there. Yeah, like. <laughs> I know. Which I, yeah, but part of that is the nature of developing his character for the show and thinking about things for the show. But he, get, he gets into some stuff. It's like, I didn't even fucking think of that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just incredibly awesome. So, and uh, you'll hear a funny little story of uh, how I kind of cyber bullied him into being on the on the podcast. And uh, thanks to uh, Julianne Emery and Ray Seahorn for helping me bully yeah. uh, Patrick Fabian to being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> now, to his credit, he does state he would have done the show if we didn't bully him. Right. But I figure uh, with those two nice ladies, it, it couldn't hurt to have them backing you up. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very cool of everybody for him for participating, for them for getting him to participate, and for us for, for providing this uh, entertainment for you guys. Absolutely. So um, so enjoy your off season. I'm going to keep on trying to get these great interviews for you folks. Uh, in the downtime, please check out the Nothing Important podcast. We've had some really kick-ass people on there lately. We've had a, a comedian and actor, Owen Benjamin. We've had MMA legend and UFC Hall of Famer, Dan Severin. I have a full backlog. I got some crazy awesome guests coming up in June. And, of course, I'm going to keep trying to get some of the main players and some of the people that put Better Call Saul together. And I'm, I'm working on it hard for you guys because we appreciate you listening to us and hanging out with us for the past six months. And we just want to keep you guys entertained until the next season of our new favorite show comes out. Absolutely. So, folks, enjoy our talk with Patrick Fabian. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, on the Someone Important Hotline, we have Patrick Fabian, who plays Howard Hamlin on Better Call Saul. Patrick, welcome to our uh, little podcast. Thank you, Brian, and thank you, Dave. Glad to be here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> first things first, I, I wanted to uh, publicly apologize for getting uh, Ray Seahorn and Julianne Emery to bully you on Twitter to come on our show. <laughs> um, first, of, okay, okay, I will counter by saying 
I was totally going to come on before those ladies bitch slapped me on social media. However, <laughs> uh, you're going to be bitch slapped by somebody. Ray Seahorn and Julian Emery are the ones to be bitch slapped by. So here I am. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Good. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're glad to have you and incredibly honored as you, as you probably guessed, you know, Dave and I are uh, big fans of the show. And of course our, our listeners out there, um, you know, we've gotten great responses for the interviews with the, the, the location scouts and, and Julie and Ray, and you were one of the people, uh, everybody was like, uh, you know, get, get Howard on, get Howard on. So, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're glad you're here and we finally were able to connect. Well, I'm, I'm really, as a matter of fact, I saw, uh, I saw the whole cast, um, over the last two nights, we were at the LA screenings, which is where Sony has where international, uh, broadcasters come and look at what they're selling for the year. And even though, uh, Better Call Saul is, is pretty much already blanketed worldwide with Netflix and some other sales. Um, we were there to meet everybody and it was really great to see everybody and sort of see the worldwide reaction that's already happening. But even more important, like the, you know, the band hadn't been together since we stopped filming <laughs> back in October. So we <laughs> to have everybody there together and, uh, and, and see one another. So I'm, I'm, it was really sick to see one another. Well, that's good. You know, uh, when, when does uh, production start on season two? Uh, do you guys have a timeline for that? I, it would have to be coming up soon. I would think. Yeah. Well, going back in, I think mid July is when it gets cranking. Oh, okay. So, just like last year, I would love to be able to, uh, tell you, I can tell you what I think might happen. Um, but I don't have any idea. Hardcore. They haven't been letting any of those cats out of the bag at all. So much like last year, I think it'll be the same wonderful experience of, you get the script, you know, sometimes you get the script like a, a day before we started shooting an episode because they were fine tuning it and cranking it out. And, wow. you know, as an actor, um, I don't mind that. That's fine because honestly, if you give me too much time to think about it, I'll start thinking I'm the director and the writer and the producer. And uh, it's kind of better if it just sort of lands in my lap and we go from there. Um, so I have a feeling it's going to be probably the same sort of situation this year as well. But mid-July is when we're heading back to the great ABQ. Well, good, good. We're, we're looking forward to it, you know, and, uh, yeah, you know, you talk about you know they they keep fine tuning and, and changing the script and and you know Howard Hamlin, it, it turns out he wasn't quite the uh, the dick that everybody thought he was. <laughs> hey, how about that? Not not, not a douchebag at all. After all, not that much of a douchebag. Right, you know, and I'm just going to go on record. If you listen to our, I don't have the episode number, but if you listen to our podcast, I totally called that way early in the season. But. Yeah, yeah, Brian did. Oh, did you really? Okay. Yeah, I, I think there was an, on, an onslaught of, you know, uh, of like, screw you, man. Because, you know, it's better call Saul. People are on Saul's side. They, they see the world through him. And also the story is told through his eyes in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Right. And so consequently, as soon as Saul says in the beginning in episode one that I'm a dick and he calls me Lord Vader, then, it, you know, we take it as we take an attack as audience. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we get to the episode nine where it's revealed that uh, oh, that's right. I guess Chuck sucks. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> name, you know instead of have Linda go this, is they changed to fuck Chuck on Twitter. That was nice. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, when we were playing it, you know, like I said, you know, we, we the scripts were being doled out, and we didn't really have any sort of season-long arc given to us because I don't know if they really knew exactly where they were going to. Part of their creative process, what I understand, is you know they don't have everything planned out. I mean, obviously, we know. We know how this links up to Breaking Bad in a mm-hmm. number of years. We know that. So mm-hmm. We know where Saul's character ends up. But everybody else is a loose cannon, and that tale can be told however the writers you know, uh, feel the need. And so consequently, when we started shooting um, the beginning, 
I remember Vince directed the first episode, and and he just sort of gently reminded me that uh, you know don't don't worry about what I read in the script about what other people say about me necessarily. Right. Well, he goes, I think Howard's a good guy. I think Howard's a good guy. That's what he would say. And I was like, give me the next sentence. So I want you to play it like dot dot dot. But he would never give me that. He would just sort of put in my ear, hey man, Howard's kind of a good guy. And so I looked at that a lot. So when I got the, the, the lines, I would never try and do that, you know, the the snidely whiplash or the twirling of the mustache sort of stuff on it whatsoever. That's awesome <laughs> because I, I was going to make a comment about that, how when the reveal came, it wasn't like a shocking transition. There's always a thought in the back of your head, like Howard might actually be kind of a good guy, maybe just like a scapegoat for something else. Or like the, right. the messenger the bearing the bad is, news. As, you know, as that happens, then all of a sudden I I mean, I'll be honest, you know, as an actor, first of all, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm the poker of Jimmy's ass. This is awesome. I'm the dick. <laughs> I am Lord Vader. You know, I'm a douchebag. Who doesn't want to play that as an actor? It's totally fun. Um, but it gets one dimensional like that, you know? Right. Uh, and then all of a sudden when we get to that moment where it's like, oh, you know, it's like the goodwill I sort of stocked up by not necessarily really being a douchebag lends itself to like, oh, he's actually not as powerful as you think at all. As a matter of fact, he's you know, much shakier ground than we ever imagined. And it goes from being this, you know, this slip guy in the suit who's made, who's perfect, who runs the company. It goes from that sort of like real authoritarian figure to somebody who might be a little more hollow than we expect. Mm. And that makes it sad. And it makes it a sad, like, oh, how is not in control at all like we thought he was? Which then I think lends itself to a myriad of interesting uh, storylines of, well, why is that? Right. You know, is there money problems? Are there drug problems? Or are there truck issues? Or clearly there's a truck issue. Or is Howard just such a silver spoon guy who, who never, who never really had the lawyer smarts, but he has the name. So he sits there and that's why he needs Chuck so badly. I don't have those answers. This hasn't been given to me, but you know, it makes your, makes your, boy, I'm just talking the entire time on this podcast. I'm so sorry, gentlemen. Is it no, that's, man. I'm just rambling. Yeah, <laughs> this is, this is your time. You're, you're actually answering a few uh, questions that I had in mind as you're going on. So I'm just, yeah, keep going. Right, and then we're done. Thanks so much for Patrick. Hayden visiting. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, as, as, uh, as the actor, you know, what, what was, uh, what was Patrick Fabian's reaction to finding out that Howard wasn't as much of a, as a jerk as they were kind of leading people to believe. I'm sorry, who, whose reaction to that? Yours. <laughs> the, the person, not oh, the character. <laughs> yeah. Good, great, great. Um, you know what? My reaction was, uh, thank God I didn't get a bullet in my head. That's always an actor's number one concern. <laughs> you know, no blood. You know, if there's blood, don't make it mine. <laughs> Like at the end of the season, you're cheering like, all right. When I first read it, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, I mean, there is that weird thing of like, oh, Chuck gets the thunder. Because that's, I mean, when he calls him a, a, a chimp with a, a machine gun, it's just, it's so devastating. Mm-hmm. But in the end, if Howard said that, it would be almost expected. It wouldn't have nearly the punch that it holds coming from Chuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a very good point. Right. And so consequently, you know, uh, for me, it took the episode nine to start to get a real handle of like, oh, Howard is really not what, what because uh, you do make assumptions as an actor. You, you have to. You have to make some assumptions. Even if things aren't written, 
you have to play things with a certain amount of 3D realism. Right? You have to make your world. You have to make your point of view. You have to make your history and all that sort of thing. So I kept in mind that, you know, I kept in mind what Vincent dropped in my ear about, you know, I think Howard's going to be a good guy. And that comes to that idea of if people perceive you as saying something bad, that's interesting. But as a character or as an actor, just on a practical level, I think you always have to assume that you are not a bad person, that you are just looking at the world through your point of view. So constantly, right. as I was playing Howard, uh, it was always like, why is Jimmy not taking my, my advice? Why is Jimmy not taking my olive branch? Why is Jimmy not listening to, to good... Um, I just called him Jimmy. I just did call him Well, you know why? Because it's a paternal thing as well. Even though, I, I'm not even sure what the, the, the age break is, I think Howard very much, because of his position, has always thought of Jimmy as sort of a ward. Not a son, but somebody who he is there to take care of because of Chuck. And so therefore... I think he wants to um, help him out. And so when Jimmy scorns him and acts like a teenager, frankly, you know, with his histrionics at me, especially because I am not the dick, I think it hurts Howard. And it hurts Howard because he can't say anything. And so in episode nine, we find out, you know, that we find out why. Well, it's how we begin to find out why. At least we find out where the the puppeteering is really coming from. Right. And you realize it's sort of Howard's, you know, Howard's, uh, Howard's more adrift. And as an actor... You know, we just you know logged one season down. It does make it interesting because um, what's he going to do now? You know, right? Is he going to try and help Jimmy, uh, or is he going to have to fight Jimmy, or is Jimmy going to try and burn down metaphorically uh, the law firm, or am I going to see him in court? Am I actually going <laughs> to help him because I feel guilty? Uh, yeah. I don't know. But all the yeah. interesting things to look forward to playing. You know. Absolutely. And that, that's what I'm interested in as well is, is actually then seeing how because kind of the, the cast out of the bag with Chuck, you know, now it is, it's presumably out in the open and, you know, and plus I want to see how, how, uh, Howard and, and Chuck are going to interact with each other as well. Now that everything is kind of out in the open. It is out in the open, but then, then that draws in a couple of questions immediately. I'm like, okay, with, with Chuck's, uh, Chuck's electricity aversion, I mean, this is something we talked about before. If he's so goddamn important to the firm, to, to, to Hamlet, Hamlet, and McGill, then why didn't Howard have, like, the top-notch doctors and medical staff at his house 24-7 to take care of that? Uh-huh. yeah. Chuck was sort of, you know, the fact, the, fact, the fact that Chuck was sort of like left on his own, almost like an, an, an indigent in his own home. And that makes me go, well, what's that story? Is how right. carrying up to a point or does he have a financial? Maybe his financial house is more of a house of cards and Chuck doesn't know that or Chuck does know that. It's all those sort of things that are these what ifs that are very shaky logs, you know, sort of like you're... Um, like those lumberjacks spinning those logs, uh, on right. you know, it's that sort of thing. It really, I, sometimes I think about it, like lawyers on logs. It's uh, like the, the, the Jackson Brown cover, lawyers in love on top of the car with their paddle. Now I'm just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's one thing Dave and I always talk about on the, uh, on the podcast is, is the fact that the way that the writing is done, it, leave, it like nothing really hits you over the head. It always leaves room to maneuver in many different directions. So what happens to us is, uh, you know, me and, uh, me and Dave employed the uh, swag method, you know, the silly wild ass guest method of trying to make predictions for the next episode, <laughs> how the season is going to end up. And then we get like, we, we get comments from listeners be like, dude, you are way the fuck off. Like where the hell did you come up with that? But 
But I, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like, dude, I told Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like I knew that Tuco was going to be the big reveal in the first episode, and that was just like throwing a dart at a board of pictures. <laughs> you know what? When we got when we got the uh, the script, like when I got the final script on on table read day, we get to Albuquerque. Um, everybody's there. You know, it's the first day, it's first day of school. Doesn't matter how long you've been in the business, it's first day of school, and you're shaking hands, and you're meeting everybody, and you're nervous, and you're assuming you're going to get fired. All that sort of craziness is going through your head, and then we sit down and start reading the script. So we read the script, and we get to the final page, and I mean, these are the people who are going to be making the show. And the first page is redacted. Like, it's a CIA file. It's not like that. It doesn't have a character name. It doesn't tell you what the fuck happens. And so we read this, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And it was like the longest time until uh, I knew it was him. But I have to say, it was so sort of not on my radar that when I saw the pilot uh, at our premiere, I equally was there. When, they, when the door opens and it's him, I go, oh, no shit. <laughs> and I got chills. I was like, wow, you know, as if somehow I had missed the show I was in. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I predicted uh I predicted Hank Schrader because I was trying to think of who who was uh you know, who would be because it was a thing like everybody was talking about, you know, like a returning bad guy, and then I think I overthought it. I was like, Well, who would be naturally be a bad guy to Saul? And I was like, Well, it appears that they kind of knew each other the first time that that badger guy got arrested, so maybe he right. Is like the big, uh, the big, you know, cameo in the first episode. So, um, but there, there's just so many, so many different ways that it's written, and some, so many different ways it can go, you know. And and it's kind of fun to hear that, even though you guys are directly involved, obviously acting out your characters and establishing your characters. Like in in a lot of ways, you're in the same boat we are, just trying to figure out where the hell it's going to go. When you know, it's just like a handful of people that actually, yeah, you know. And, and and the first time we saw the flashbacks, I was like, what? We're going to Chicago. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then they time. I mean, all this this time shifting thing, and uh, you know, and they don't use it as a gimmick. I mean, it really utilizes it in terms of what its storytelling is. And um, and I just thought it's really it's really crazy because we have because we've watched Breaking Bad, right? We have these events in our lives already. We know what is going on. So you come to you come to this story with that story in tow. And so when you start dropping markers 10 years previous, and then we also know where Saul ends up in the end in Nebraska, it's like you're, it's like you're asking, you know what, you're, you're allowing your audience, the intelligence, to go ahead and be able to drop markers from four different time zones while you're talking to a story. And you can develop a richness of a line, a look, or a reference over three lifespans. And I think that's really cool. And that's the only reason I ever suggested anybody to watch Breaking Bad before watching this is because I said, you know, you're going to love the palette that you see, but it's a much richer palette if you if you know what's going on. Literally in landscapes and shots, uh, diners and things like that. You know, the mm-hmm. first time you see Mike at the diner, we're like, well, that's, we, that diner had so much going on in it. But yeah. if you didn't see the show, I'm not going to throw my parents on the bus, my parents, um, then uh, <laughs> you wouldn't know what's going on. <laughs> right, me and Dave, I think one of our original plans was to try to develop some sort of timeline for the website, but then the show ended up after Breaking Bad and then came came back like six years prior. And then I think like at the third episode, it went like, you know, a few years before that. And then at some point it was revealed that he had been in New Mexico already for 10 years. And uh, me and Dave yeah. were just like, OK, we're just going to leave this to people way smarter than us. Yeah. <laughs> like, and just trust it. There's somebody with even more time on their hands than you two who are going to do Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just present it to the rest of the fans if they present it to us. 
which would be awesome. Yeah. There you go. Take hint, credit hint. for it when Leonard comes up. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, one question we, uh, I don't know if Dave, you want to ask, ask the, the one question that we get all the time and we've discussed at length on our, on our podcast. Do you want to ask it or you want me to ask it? Are you talking about, um, you, you go ahead, Brian, you go ahead. Okay. And the reason I preface it like that is because, uh, I haven't seen it answered, but then at the same time, uh, Dave and I feel like you've probably been asked this question a million times. So here goes, who is the second Hamlin partner? <laughs> Oh, it's uh, it, it's Sean Connery, and he's my grandfather, and I can't wait for him to be in the second season. <laughs> that's, that's my fantasy. That's right. But in my you know, mind, that's, that's the cold right. open right there. <laughs> the second Hamlin is 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 Connery, right? And he's going to be uh, I don't know the breathing mask or something. I don't know. I you know <laughs> I've thought about it, um, and I've also thought maybe the other Hamlin is deceased. Ah, I've always no. thought of myself. I've always thought of myself not as the second Hamlin, but as the first Hamlin, the, the Alpha Hamlin. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, because until that other one is named or brought in, I'm just like, what benefit does it do me to pretend like I'm not in fucking charge? <laughs> the bigger rank around me. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Dave. But no, that has, and I've and I've tried to catch them. I'll be honest. I tried to catch the writers and and Vince and Peter. Um, you know, off guard mm-hmm. about something else. And, da, 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 and I'll just say like, I really like the idea of, uh, of, uh, of Hamlin being uh, my grandfather. Who's going to cast for that? And they'll just look at me. <laughs> like, like, nice try. Talking about it. I'm like, Oh, okay. okay, okay. Maybe that's not it. Maybe that's not it. <laughs> yeah, so, they, they, did anybody answer it close? Did anybody have uh, a good idea? No, no. Uh, my, my idea was, is that it's, uh, is that it's uh, some sort of uh, like legal maneuver? Like he doesn't really exist, but on paper he exists as a matter of like funneling funds and such. And I believe, I believe Dave just kind of came up with the idea, like, well, what if he's just a dead guy? And like all they ever say about him is like, uh, I think the grandpa thing, like you said, I think Dave. Didn't you say that, Dave? I think like, I might have said a father or a, or a brother. I think is what. Yeah, I said. and then the. The only thing they'd say about him is somebody would be like, hey, who's that picture on the wall? And they'd be like, oh, that's my my dead uncle, Xavier Hamlin. <laughs> Xavier. <laughs> and Han- then that's it. Hannibal <laughs> Hamlin. <laughs> we tied into the X-Men all of a sudden. What? What's going on? That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch it. You have like a, 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 shell, a shell game. But you know what? But you guys are onto something as well. And it, it touches on two things. It's uh, One, you know, Vince and Peter have allowed themselves because of the storytelling that they have established allow lateral moves like that that would make you go like this still fits right um i think the idea that i have a brother missing is weird only because we have uh, a brother situation already mm, right who knows um yeah but i like the idea that um uh, you know i didn't mind the fact that there wasn't a, any daddy figures <clears throat> this time around and you mentioned that though but you know, who knows? Maybe things go south for the firm, and maybe be rescued by you know the the, the old behemoth, or you know uh, the guy who thought he was retired, or uh, I don't know. I don't know, and that's and that's the great thing. And I stare at that logo <clears throat> all the time, but I constantly, I never once thought I was the second Hamlet. So that just shows that I'm oh a narcissist. That's what that shows. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that I actually went like the brother angle because I I would find it more interesting like if there's you know the two Hamlin brothers. But then there's the two McGill brothers and, uh, you know, so Jimmy has one more thing to kind of be mad about. Like, you know, my brother's not letting me in, but Hamlin and Hamlin are in, you know, something like that. 
right? Or even even more parallel, I'm not letting my brother in either. Maybe there's a, a, a similar situation or a way of keeping, you know, it's, uh, maybe it's like the jinx, not quite as crazy, but it could be like, you know. Right. Do you think, uh, do you think uh, we'll see any of the, uh, do you think we'll get any closure on the, on the Kettleman's when we talk to, uh, uh, Julianne, well, we kind of, we, we were thinking of ideas for a spinoff show for, for her and campaigning pretty hard. So, uh, um, do you- here's, here's that thing, you know, I don't know if she told you as well. I mean, they were scheduled, I think, for like an episode or something like that. Yeah. Or two mm-hmm. at Pops. But they came in and just hit such a ballpark and a ball out of the park that, you know, that's just gold. The writers saw them and they're like, oh, we have to write for this. And they did. <laughs> right. yeah. And uh, that's so great. And I was so sorry that sort of like the, the storyline seemingly has ended. But, but, but is it? I mean, you know, he's going to jail, so he's still in Albuquerque. We assume she's still in Albuquerque. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how you don't have Mrs. Kettleman show up at the show again. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just right now, it seems like that storyline is gone. But, you know, as long as you're not dead, I think everything's in play. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, um, no, even if you are dead, you can, you know, even if you are dead, talk to Mike, he's back, you know, so it's all good. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, well, um, you know, we've, uh, we've taken up quite a bit of your time tonight. So I guess I, I want to, uh, thank you so much for, uh, coming on the show and, uh, congratulations on a first, uh, a great first season of better call Saul. Um, I can't wait to see if we get some of our, some of our questions answered. And, uh, uh, the last thing we always ask our guest, uh, what is your favorite frozen pizza? My favorite frozen pizza. Uh, it used to be, there used to be, um, uh, um, um, a Gino's a long time ago. I'm a Pennsylvania boy, like the little pizza squares, which I'm sure are the worst things on the planet, but I have such a fond memory of them. So these days it's Trader Joe's, the pizza premier. That's where I'm going. That is our second <laughs> okay. Trader Joe's pizza. Yeah, that is. Pizza. Yeah. Not so bad. Yeah, awesome. Do you put extra stuff on it? What's, what's, we, oh, wait, wait, I'm going to back at you. What's your favorite frozen pizza? Oh, man, I'd say uh, lately I've been going with Tony's. I've been, I've been feeling Tony's a whole bunch. <laughs> the, 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 the six-inch six ones or like the, the whole big pie noise? No, I'm a big guy. I, I eat the whole, like, 14-inch. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you six-inch things? What are you, what are you some thin actor drinking right, I, juice out there in Los Angeles? <laughs> pizza nuggets. Uh, I just... <laughs> I roll it up. I roll it up. I roll it up like a burrito and just eat it like that. <laughs> My God, you know I love that image. That's really good. That makes me want to come to Chicago and eat with you. <laughs> I tell you what, you ever thank you for having me on the show? I really appreciate it, and uh, and thank you to all your fans who are listening to you podcast, and uh, and uh, and thank you all for watching the show and being supportive of it. And I'm, I hope that season two is equally as awesome, and I'd be more than happy to come back anytime you guys need. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, Patrick Fabian. Thank you. You have a great night. You know, you better call Saul. You'll fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all.